The information provided in this podcast is intended for general knowledge and is not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment under the guidance of your personal physician. You are listening to Faith Family Medicine with Drs. Marcy and Sean, your personal pediatricians on a mission to keep you and your family happy and healthy. Welcome back to another episode of Faith Family Medicine with myself, Marcy. And Sean. So today I am really excited because we are going to talk about a topic that is so near and dear to our hearts, something we spend a lot of time talking about, and that is vaccines and the pediatric population. Um, so Sean, how does this, this um, topic make you feel? Well, vaccines to me are... It, they really are the foundation of what we do as pediatricians. Mm-hmm. We are all about prevention so that children can grow up to be as healthy as possible mm-hmm. and to also have a healthy and happy childhood. Yes. And so vaccines are a very important part of that. Yeah. And, you know, I had to, when you say, how does it make me feel? I just had to get to a place where I'm confident in what we do as pediatricians. I'm confident in the place that have that vaccines have in our healthcare system and to learn to agree to disagree with those that don't share my opinion mm-hmm. and also to stay away from Facebook debates. <laughs> Yes, I agree. So those I debates just had get, to do it, have mm-hmm. to stay away because, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yes. I do think it's important that you put that out there because part of the reason I feel like um, vaccines are sometimes questioned by the general population is because of a lack of trust. They don't, tr- not everybody trusts doctors. Nope. Um, and we, we, we hear it and we, we understand it. But hopefully by seeing two pediatricians that hopefully you can relate to, mm-hmm. um, seeing that they have confidence, like you said, Sean, in the vaccine process and what it does for keeping children healthy that mm-hmm. you can feel more assured about the role of vaccines in childhood because it is essential. Yes. Um, like Sean said, it's about keeping kids safe so they can have healthy childhoods. There's no reason kids should be running around with measles nowadays because nope. it's been eradicated for the most part in the United States, but it's still possible to come back because yes. travelers come and expose people to this disease. So if we have not vaccinated our kids, they may suffer when they never had to suffer in the first place. So let's talk about some of the, one of the things we don't really get a question about from parents, but I think it's kind of core to trusting a vaccine is how do vaccines work? Um, Sean, do you want to talk a little bit about how vaccines work? Yes. So vaccines take the virus or the bacteria. They literally kill it or put it to the point where it cannot cause disease. And then the proteins are broken down. And then the proteins and um, other um, ingredients are used to make the vaccine. And when the vaccine is introduced into the body, what your body sees are the proteins. It's, It's a mimic. It looks like measles. It looks like pertussis. And so your body says, hey, that doesn't belong here. And then 
we have our cells that that are made by your very smart body that if it comes in contact with these proteins again or these diseases, um, your body makes the antibodies and then you fight off the disease. And that's how it's, it's basically how vaccines work. It's very, very simple. We introduce it, your body sees it, makes the antibodies, and then you're ready to fight it off if you come in contact with it in the future. Yeah, so it's almost, or it is, as if your body is being tricked to yes. think that it's infected. It's not truly infected, but it's being tricked because these special cells come around and say, oh, there's an infection, create antibodies, but these mm -hmm. special cells also have memory. So they mm -hmm. remember when they've come into contact with something similar to the viruses that can actually cause disease. So if you are exposed to that virus, those memory cells come on and they attack it before you can actually be infected or suffer because of the virus. So it's important to know, number one, that what is injected into the body does not have the ability to cause infection. A lot of our vaccines take proteins of the virus or bacteria, but there are, and I think we do need to address this, some vaccines that use live viruses. So these are vaccines like the MMR vaccines um, and also the some of the flu vaccines have live viruses, but mm -hmm. it's important to know that these viruses are attenuated. Right. So they don't have the ability to cause infection. Right. Therefore, when they're injected to vaccinate you, they can't cause infection. They just trick the body into thinking that it's infected so that in the future, you're protected from an actual infection. Yes. So, Sean, yes. I wanted to know, um, are people still using the flu mist, which is the live attenuated version of the flu vaccine? Are they still using that? Yes, flu mist is still available. Um, in our patient population, we did not use it this year, mm -hmm. but yes, it is available. Okay. And there are certain patients who cannot get the flu mist. Right. So if it is offered by your pediatrician, it's a viable option. But remember, even though it's called the live version of the flu vaccine, it is attenuated and does not have the ability to cause infection. Exactly. And it's an effective version of being vaccinated against the flu shot. But we'll exactly. get more into the flu shot later. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there are some common childhood vaccines that we all should have. We've all gotten as yes, kids. Yes. Um, hopefully your kids have them. Um, but Sean, do you mind giving us kind of a rundown on what we typically get in the, the you know, the really relevant vaccines that we should be thinking about? So our common childhood vaccines are the DTaP, which is diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, the polio vaccine, Haemophilus influenza, which is not the flu. It's a bacteria. Um, Prevnar or pneumococcal vaccine, the rotavirus vaccine, and the hepatitis B vaccine. Those are our common childhood vaccines. Um, DTaP is important. Not only diphtheria is not as common. Um, tetanus, we all know that comes from injury, like you think of a rusty nail into the foot. Um, but pertussis, it's so, so important to be vaccinated against pertussis. Pertussis is still out there. I had a whole family last year all tested positive for pertussis. Mm -hmm. So... Even if the family has been vaccinated in the past, um, if someone comes in and introduces the vaccine, it is still still possible or introduce the illness into the family. Um, it is still possible to get pertussis. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why it makes it so, so, so important, especially for our younger patients to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. 
because pertussis is out there. Yeah. And I think it's really important because some people will say, okay, I'm 20 years old. So what if I get pertussis? I'll cough up a lot, but I'll get over it. Oh, no. Um, Probably not really the truth, but I think the, the really important thing is you, by vaccinating yourself, you are also preventing a really serious illness that can affect and actually kill very small babies. Yes. So this is part of the reason, or this is the reason that pregnant women are encouraged if they are not up to date on their pertussis vaccines to be revaccinated. Yes. Because if they were to get pertussis and expose an infant or if anyone around that infant, extended family members who take mm -hmm. care of that infant, that infant can really suffer and actually die because of pertussis. So part of what we do is our responsibility for protecting those who can't be protected on their mm -hmm. own um, from getting these really serious illnesses. Exactly. Um, in fact, one of the cases, the case that I had, it was basically the older kids um, infected the younger sibling. Yeah. And um, thank thank. You know, thank God everything, everybody turned out okay. They got their treatment. Um, we diagnosed it. But, yeah, it's important to know that it is still out there and it can cause very serious disease. Yes, yes. Um, and then, like, another one, polio, that we vac still vaccinate against to this day. Um, just as a side note, so many people, they talk about how vaccines are evil or they don't agree with them. And I think part of the issue is that we just don't see these illnesses like we used to. So if you're a person who lived in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and you saw people who were paralyzed by polio, you understand the importance of vaccines. But we, in our current generations, um, we are kind of... Um, I don't want to say victims, but we're kind of limited by by progress. Mm -hmm. So we have not seen why these vaccines were created in the first place. Yes. Polio can cause you to become paralyzed. Yes. And so that's why we vaccinate against it. Yeah. And that's why we vaccinate against it starting at a very young age. Um, two newer vaccines, Haemophilus influenza and pneumococcal vaccine, I remember in residency, right before the pneumococcal vaccine came out, um, that was the last time I saw a pneumococcal meningitis. Mm -hmm. Pneumococcal meningitis, Haemophilus influenza B, meningitis, other things that Haemophilus influenza B or Hib can cause, very, very serious illnesses. Yes. We've seen a dramatic decrease in all of those things. Um, there's something called epiglottitis that we used to see, you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw a case of epiglottitis because of the Hib vaccine. And I think we sort of need to paint the picture of what epiglottitis looks like. We're not; these are not scare tactics, folks. Right? But, exactly. <laughs> um, I've actually not seen a case because. The because HIP vaccine, vaccine has been out. Thank <laughs> God. But the pictures yes. that you see, imagine a kiddo struggling to breathe, yes. leaning forward on his legs, trying to open his airway yes. because his epiglottis is swollen because of this vaccine, yes. making wheezing sounds. Yes. There are reasons that these vaccines are around, and yes. they all have a reason. Unfortunately, the pediatrician can't sit down and explain the whole history in their visit to yes. say, HIP used to cause this really, really severe disease that yes. caused you to 
have this outcome. This used to cause this. Unfortunately, we, we don't have the time to do that. Um, that's part of why we do this this podcast is in right. order to give you that time. But there are specific reasons why each of these Very vaccines specific. are there. So even though you walk into the office and they say, oh, you're getting five vaccines today, three shots because some of them are combinations, there are reasons. It's not just because we felt like that was the, the mix of the day that you needed to get. There are specific reasons for all of these vaccines. Right. And and that kind of also speaks to people talk about how, oh, there are so many more vaccines than there were, quote unquote, back in the day mm-hmm. or when they were younger. Well, again... It's progress, right? I mean, that's yeah. why we have medicine. That's why we have technology. Everything progresses over mm-hmm. time. And these vaccines are so, so essential. They have saved lives. Yes. They have saved lives. Even, you know, the next vaccine, the common childhood vaccine, the rotavirus vaccine. Again, I'm old enough to remember having kids, you know, being called by the ER in residency and you know, a child with severe diarrhea who's very dehydrated mm-hmm. and getting the test back. And we would say, oh, Rhoda. Mm-hmm. And so kids hospitalized with terrible diarrhea, terrible dehydration, dramatically decreased after the rotavirus vaccine. Mm-hmm. Dramatically. I mean, you know, we almost have put ourselves out of business in some ways because of vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, we've lowered our visits. We lower these things. For us, that's a good thing. Yes. And, you know, that's why these vaccines are so, so essential. And then hepatitis B. I get an occasional pushback about why do they need it so young? Well, we want to minimize any potential exposures to hepatitis B starting at birth. Why? Because hepatitis B causes liver cirrhosis you will need a liver transplant yes if you get it and it infects you and you develop cirrhosis we're trying to save people's lives yes that's just the bottom line we don't as pediatricians it's a little (laughs) bit weird to have to say this but um pediatricians don't like to see sick kids nope it's our job to take care of sick kids but we actually do not like to see it um especially if you if you have kids there's just a whole nother level of seeing a sick kid you know none of us like to see it but when you can see a kid sick and imagine your own kid there it's just a it's not really something you want to see so whatever Mm -hmm. we can do to prevent that we will do that and if you come into our offices or into our hospital sick we will love you and take care of you as if you are our own because it just tugs on our heart when we see a little kid suffering but we do this so that we can keep our kids healthy and and help them grow into healthy adults absolutely and then those are the those are the vaccines for what we give commonly two four and six months and then starting at a year of age we go into the big ones the big the more controversial ones the measles mumps rubella Chicken pox and hepatitis A. Those are, that is when those are introduced. And again, measles, measles makes people very, very sick. It can cause significant long-term illness and people can even die from it. Yes. And so 
And, you know, it's, we're at risk of losing our eradication status in this country. Yes. Because of the cases of measles that have, have come up over the last few, few years. Um, chicken pox, again, people think, okay, chicken pox is, is relatively benign. I had it when I was a kid. Well, chicken pox is not always benign. No. Not always. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get encephalitis from chicken pox. You which we should clarify as an yes. infection of the brain. Yes. Which sounds really scary. And it is it really is scary. scary. And hepatitis A is one of those, again, it can just make you really, really sick. Severe diarrhea, severe vomiting, severe inflammation to your liver. So, again, vaccines do help prevent disease. Yes. So I think with that, I think we've kind of drilled that into your mind a bit, maybe a little (laughs) bit too much. But I think we should address some of the common misconceptions about vaccines. We're just going to lay it out on the table because we know that you guys have these questions and we we appreciate when you ask the questions. So there's nothing about this or any of our podcasts that should make you feel like you can't ask the question. Because only by asking can we address and give you the information that you need to truly make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. So one of the um, questions we get, um, one of the questions is, <laughs> do vaccines cause autism? We actually don't get this as a question. People tell us this, like vaccines cause autism. Don't yes. you know that? And that's just not the truth. There's no front or backwards way, sideways, up, down. Side. It's not true at all. False. Yes. Not true. It unfortunately came about many years ago as a very, a terrible research study. It was just bad. I can't even call it a research study. It was absolute bad science and it has caused damage for years because people think that there really is an association between vaccines and autism and it is absolutely false. There is no association. The study was wrong. Their conclusions were wrong. They did not do any science that proved this anyway up down for backwards actually because this was such a bad study the journal that published it retracted this study about 10 years ago while I was in medical school because it was such bad science Mm. but unfortunately the damage from this bad science has been done because it's put into the public that there is a connection when there is no connection between vaccines and autism at all hard stop yeah (laughs) yeah So people may ask, we see more autism, maybe it's the vaccines, but I don't necessarily think we're seeing more autism. I think we're diagnosing more autism. Right. We're diagnosing it more. We're recognizing it more. We're doing developmental screens. Mm -hmm. We didn't do, even I've been practicing for a good number of years, even 10 years ago, we weren't doing the same kind of intensive targeted screening that we do now. Mm-hmm. We were mostly just doing surveillance. Mm-hmm. And now we have targeted ages for specific screening. And then we also have many more resources for children who may have special needs. And we identify these things a lot earlier so that we can get them the services they need and actually get them better outcomes. So, Mar- Marcy's right. Vaccines do not cause cause autism. You know, is there? 
a time when the genetics of a certain people, because I will just play um, opposite side just for one second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a case out there on occasion where a person has a specific reaction to a vaccine? You know, I think that we're fair, we're balanced. Can there be side effects from vaccines? Mm-hmm. Yes, there can be side effects. Yeah. They're very rare. And even when you look at the statements that we give out, there are the common side effects, there are the rare side effects. There are very rare side effects. And some of the outcomes can be um, not what we want. Mm-hmm. But that's similar with almost any type of medication, any type of treatment. But the vast, vast, vast majority of people um, do well with mm-hmm. vaccines. And it's a public health issue. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, you know, if one person had a bad reaction or an allergic reaction to, say, penicillin or amoxicillin, is the whole population going to say, we're not going to take amoxicillin? Mm-hmm. No. No. You're not. Right? If your kid has an ear infection and you and your kid is not allergic to it, you're going to give it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with vaccines. Are there rare side effects? Yes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not safe. And that doesn't mean that the vast majority of the population should get them. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to clarify because when we give vaccines, we actually give out this paper Mm -hmm. um, that's a requirement. It's from the CDC that shows the possible side effects related to vaccines. And like Sean said, with anything, there are Any medication. Anything you put into your body, a food you put into your body, the Mm -hmm. Tylenol you buy over the counter, there's a risk that there is a reaction to that. Mm -hmm. But from all of the history that we have, the risks associated with vaccines are not enough to say that we should not give them. So there's always this balance of risk and benefit. Mm -hmm. And by and far, the benefit from vaccines outweigh the risks that Mm -hmm. are associated with them. And I think the vast majority of us have a a better chance of being adversely affected from Tylenol or ibuprofen Mm -hmm. than we do from vaccines. Yeah, because we take that, you know, like water sometimes. Yes. And and it's not as, sometimes it's not as regulated as, say, our vaccines um, are. So another um, question that we just have to address, we're going to talk about money issues, but let me address this, Sean. Do pediatricians make money from giving vaccines? Do you get more money when you give more vaccines, Sean? Well, because this is a family program, I will not give (laughs) the emphatic um, answer that that immediately wants to come out. But the answer is no. We do not get more money. So you're keeping it clean for us. I appreciate that. I keep it clean anyway. But, you know, the thing is an emphatic no. There's no kickback. There's no financial advantage whatsoever to pediatricians giving vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, in the setting that I work in, in community health centers, um, we, there's no, there's nothing that we get for giving vaccines other than serving the patients that we want to serve. Yes. And it would be a true disservice on our part Mm -hmm. if we did not 
highly encourage vaccines. We literally would be doing a disservice to our patients by letting them walk around and be at risk. So I always keep that in mind when I have to readdress vaccines with patients who refused um, vaccines before. And I, I just, in my heart, I cannot not say anything. Sorry for the double negative, but I, I literally can't yes. sit there and not readdress it, even though we've talked about this before, because I just, I just don't want to accept the guilt of not educating you and encouraging you and letting you know that I still feel very strongly about this. Absolutely. So we aren't and recommending anything we wouldn't recommend for our own kids and our own family. Absolutely. And, you know, there, there is a thing. It's, it's actually a part of our job, you know, to... Even if it's a family who's come in, we absolutely know that they do not want to vaccinate. We actually still have to give our um, professional opinion about vaccines, why they are safe, why we recommend them. So I have to give a sort of a caveat. So the because I'm a specialist pediatrician, most of our patients cannot say no to vaccines because um, for the kids that I take care of, they are often, their immune systems are often really low. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an absolute that they be vaccinated because if they are not, they can get overwhelming disease. So I often don't come into contact with a lot of patients who give pushback. Mm-hmm. They often need education about it and they eventually come around to it. Mm-hmm. One of the, the vaccines that I do get pushback on is the flu vaccine. Still mm-hmm. get pushback on that. So yes. it's important to take the time and talk yes, and, yes, and yes, readdress yes. it. Every time is an opportunity. Yes. In pediatrics, we actually look at every visit as a chance to give yes. what we call anticipatory guidance right. or just education. So let how about we get um, straight into the flu vaccine because yes. it is flu season. It's flu season, people. Flu season is a long season. Um, I feel like most of the year is flu season. So don't forget to get your flu shots and we'll let yes. you know. <laughs> A little bit of the statistics about the flu right now. So the flu shot is now recommended for every single person, um, unless there's some major reason they can't have it. But every person, healthy and sick, um, young and old. Six months and up. Six months and up, yes, um, should be getting this flu shot. And part of the reason is that the flu is deadly. Um, it's it's really deadly, and we're actually seeing a lot of deaths this year, mm. more than we've seen in previous years. Yes. So just a couple statistics from the, the CDC nationally. Um, as of October through February, there have been 26 million flu-related illnesses. Wow. Um, they, they estimate that there are at least 14,000, but maybe up to 36,000 flu-related deaths. So when we talk about flu-related deaths, it it may be a little bit hard to understand how you die from the flu because a lot of us see it as an illness where your throat is scratchy and hurts and your nose is congested and maybe you have some muscle pains. But the flu is actually very strong and it can put you at risk for having a number of very serious diseases, Mm -hmm. like, for instance, an infection of your heart, which can cause your heart not to work properly. We call this myocarditis. The flu can cause that. It can also cause you to get really severe pneumonias by very, very strong bacteria like Mm -hmm. staph. Um, It it puts you at risk for a lot of very serious illnesses. And it's, again, one of those viruses that can cause you to have a brain infection. Mm -hmm. These are actually all things that I've seen in um, the pediatric population, even in recent years. So this isn't some distant issue. The flu is alive and pumping and unfortunately killing kids and causing them to have severe illnesses. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've seen, oh my goodness, just over the last week, um, oh, to yesterday or no, the day before, 
I saw a poor girl with the full-on flu. I think a lot of people just have not seen or maybe they have not experienced the full-on flu. Mm -hmm. You're miserable. Mm -hmm. Miserable. Super high fever, body aches, you can't get comfortable, you know, cough, runny nose, the sore throat, the whole thing. I had another patient who ended up with a double pneumonia. These are all patients who have not been vaccinated. A double pneumonia. Yeah. Like, bam, just like that. Um, and I have had patients, truthfully, who had the flu vaccine who did get fever, sore throat. But those kids have tend, have bounced back a lot um, faster. They've gotten better a lot faster, and they're the ones who don't end up in the hospital. Yeah, so you're bringing up a really important issue. So um, one of the pushbacks we get is mm -hmm. that the flu is not a hundred percent. The flu vaccine is not a hundred percent protective against the flu. Right. It's we not. will give you that. That is the truth. Mm -hmm. But the flu every year is the best prediction um, by the CDC of what the flu strains will be, which means that it, it isn't a hundred percent. It's a prediction. Mm -hmm. But what we do know that is that even if you were to get flu, having gotten the flu vaccine, the mm -hmm. illness that you get is much less severe mm -hmm. than if you did not get the flu vaccine. Right. A lot of the, the deaths, the really serious illnesses happen in patients who never saw the vaccine because right. those who've seen the vaccine, they may get the flu, but they're protected and they right. don't get these serious complications. Right, because fever, even people say, oh, but the fever's so high. Fever is just an indication that your body is working to produce the antibodies to fight off the illness. Yes. So. Yes. So you're exactly right. So some of the um, other things that people sort of bring up with the flu vaccine is I got the flu vaccine last year and I got the flu. Yes. So let me just tell you one okay. thing about this. It's so funny. <laughs> so especially right now, like if you're just now about to get your flu vaccine at the end, close to the end of February, what I tell patients is, after I've already gone through the long spiel about why they should get it, it is very possible that you get the vaccine, you walk out the door, you go to the waiting room, somebody sneezes, somebody coughs, bam, it's, that's it. If it gets to you, then you're going to get the flu probably because your vaccine takes a week or two to really kick in. Mm -hmm. So I have to caution patients, especially when they get the flu vaccine in the middle of flu season, that you can walk out the door. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to school. In the next week or two, it is still possible for you to get sick because mm -hmm. you are not fully protected. Yeah, and this also um, brings up a good point, too, about getting the flu vaccine. So some people will say get it as early as possible. I'm actually one of the people that as soon as it's available, we're at the pediatrician's office. Okay. Some people sort of wait it out a bit. But there's risk. You may get exposed in that period of time. Some people are afraid that it's too late. It's actually not too late it's to get the flu late. vaccine. The vaccine go the flu goes well into sometimes the springtime. Yes. So as long as it's still offered, if you haven't gotten it, say now, go and get it because it can still be effective yes. and the flu season is long. It's most of the year is the flu season. And yeah, and I've had patients tell me even now, Oh, can I get it the next visit? And I tell them, well, no, you could, of course. I don't take away people's choice. But 
we're in the middle of flu season right now. Mm-hmm. So now is the time. Yes. You yes. Know, I had a patient, their physical is like the middle of March. I'm like, mm, you don't want to wait until then to get the flu vaccine. You could if you want to. But right now is the time really um, to, to go ahead and get it. Yeah. I, I'm a big October, mid-October person. I like to get the flu vaccine right around then, mm-hmm. some sometime in October. Okay. And so what this means is that your appointment for your well child care every year may not be due in flu season, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean don't get the flu shot. Right. You can call the office and they'll often set you up with a nursing visit so yeah. that the nurse can give you the flu shot. And that's the only thing you have done that day and you're out the door. Yeah. So you just be aware that, oh, the flu vaccine comes available in early September-ish. I can start thinking about scheduling an appointment to get mm-hmm. in there, get vaccinated, even if I'm not due for... Um, a physical at that time yeah okay so get your flu shots bottom line yes the other thing i often hear is i never get the flu so why do i need the flu shot good for you that you never get the flu good for you it could be because a lot of people around you are protected so thank god for the people who get the flu shot but there is a little bit of there is a lot of responsibility that we carry one just to go back to the flu shot, if you were to get the flu, it protects you from serious illness. But mm-hmm. two, you're responsible for the people around you, in particular those patients who can't get the flu shot, yes. like those kiddos less than six months of age. Yes. Um, they can't get the flu shot, and if they get the flu, their illness will be severe. Mm-hmm. So there is responsibility on our part to also protect those who cannot be protected at this time. Yeah. So even if you don't get the flu shot, there are still, even if you don't get the flu, there's still many reasons why you should be getting the flu shot to protect yourself, but also to protect those around you. Absolutely. When, when my first, when my children were first born, I just told people, if you're coming to see the baby, you have to be vaccinated. Yes, yes. Especially the grandparents. I was mm-hmm. like, you have to have had your um, your TDAP and your flu vaccine. Yes. Yes. If they're going to be taking care of your new babies or even your kids in general, yep. it is reasonable and recommended that you require that the people taking care of your kids are vaccinated. Absolutely. It is not, um, you are not crazy for making that a requirement. Nope. That is a, a requirement in our family as well. So just to kind of let you guys know, um, unfortunately, you know, this flu season has been a rough one for kids. Yeah, very um, rough. It's, it's every flu season has been rougher. There have been more deaths. This one in particular has been pretty bad. Um, we've had um, at least 105 children die from flu so far this mm. year. And that was a, as a reporting from the CDC earlier um, in this year. And there probably have been more deaths since then. Mm-hmm. This flu season is special because there's a strain called flu bee that loves kids for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the current vaccine helps, um, but it's not 100%. But that does not matter because we know absolutely that those kids who have the current vaccine still do much better than the kids who are unvaccinated against the, the flu strain yep. that's going around. Absolutely. So. It is on us to protect our kiddos because the flu is attacking the kiddos this year. And literally those who have the vaccines and have had enough time to amount a response um, before getting the flu, which like Sean said, is about a week or two after getting vaccinated, they do much better 
They're not the ones in the hospitals. They're not the ones um, passing away from flu. So it's very important to vaccinate our kids this year and every year going forward. Right. I mean, there there have been at least one or two flu deaths with people who did get the flu vaccine, but again, extremely, extremely rare. I wanted to throw that out there so that people know that we're we're being fair and balanced. Mm-hmm. It's it's the vast, vast majority of people. Um, again, we're looking at the overall picture. The majority of people who are vaccinated do a lot better. Um, Yes. So I think we were caught off guard this year by the flu Mm -hmm. because last year, last flu season was so mild. Mm -hmm. And this year it just, you know, I don't know what happened. It just went and got like a superpower or something because last year we were like, oh, what happened to flu season? Mm -hmm. But this year we were like, oh, "Ah, my gosh, flu season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of came out of nowhere. And now we're into our second wave, like. I've basically seen waves of A, B, A, B, 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 A in my testing. So it's still out there. Yeah, it is. It is sort of like the flu developed a superpower. It It, it sort of did. Last year. These Mm -hmm. viruses, they mutate and they change and they morph. And they they literally do develop superpowers. And I I can only say that we can be thankful for modern day medicine where we can predict yes. how they're going to develop their superpowers. But even if we aren't a hundred percent with our prediction, right. what we do predict is still protective enough to protect you from death. Yes. Um, sometimes I like to orient people and say the flu vaccine is out there to prevent you from getting flu, but it's really out there to prevent you from dying and having serious complications right, from the flu. Yes. Because we know that 100%, 100% of people are not going to you know, not get the flu. But what we're trying to prevent is your death and your complications. So yes. if the, the vaccine is able to do that, therefore, this vaccine should be gotten by every single person who's eligible to get this vaccine Absolutely. every single year. Absolutely. And so... Yeah. As you can see, we are big proponents of the vaccines. But again, we're pediatricians. We understand that every parent, every caregiver wants to do the best that they can for their kids. Um, But we just want you to know as healthcare providers that that, that's what our goal is as well. There's no hidden agenda. There's no, um, you know, ulterior motive. It's we we want your kids to be happy and healthy. Yeah. And I and we are not giving you anything that we would not recommend to our own kiddos. Absolutely. Um and nothing that we don't do for our own kiddos. Absolutely. So we are not telling you one thing and then my little Lila's running around here without a flu shot. Oh, nope. No. She was Mm-mm. vaccinated very early in the yep. flu season. October just like 1st. we're rec- just like we're recommending for everyone else. So yep. You can trust that the advice that we give is the same advice we would take for our own family. Absolutely. So it has been wonderful talking with you guys. I hope that we've answered a lot of your questions. But if you still have questions or if you just want a dialogue, please check us out on our Facebook pages or on our Twitter pages and ask the questions that you need to ask. So the um, the Faith Family Medicine Facebook page, you could either put in the search box or it's F2 Medicine, F the number two medicine. 
Medicine. And then our Twitter handle is at F2Medicine. So please check us out on these sites and ask any questions that you might have um, about vaccines or anything otherwise, because we're here. We're here. To literally be your personal pediatricians as you navigate healthcare for yourself and your family. So your response, your questions are very important to us. Yes. Okay, Sean. So we will see you guys next time. Yes. And thank you. Have a happy and healthy day. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by Dr. Laster and Dr. Watkins are their own and are not representative of their respective employers.